this evening. It's great to welcome uh, David with us, Reverend David, uh, Reverend Dr. David McLaughlin, and we're very pleased that you're able to join us. Um, and so we look forward to hearing uh, from you in a few moments. Uh, but let me pray as we begin our evening together. Gracious God, we thank you for this evening and for the opportunity to spend this time together. We thank you that we're able to join together um, tonight and that because we're doing this on Zoom, we're able to also welcome friends from across the country as well. Lord, we pray that you'd bless us and that we'd uh, sense the leading of your spirit as we share this time. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, David, before I um, sort of hand over to you, just uh, ask you a few questions, if that's all right. Yep. Um, I mean, let's start with a really basic stuff. You know, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I'm a Baptist minister, uh, trained in the same place as you, David, trained at Spurgeon's. Um, and I was the minister of Dormansland Baptist Church, which is just in Surrey. It's on right on the cusp of Surrey and Kent and East Sussex. Um, and but while I was there, one of the things that I got really interested in was um, was disability, and that's that's what led me to be doing this uh, thing today and how we think about that. Um, because I was involved with a, an organisation for young people with uh, epilepsy. And other conditions. So, so, so that then led me to do uh, some research, and the, doing the research then led me to write a book, which is just about to come out. And um, so, at the moment, what I do, having done that, I'm doing a number of kind of lectures and those sorts of things, and writing articles and things based on on that work. Um, and my wife is the minister of our church and so I so I'm not the minister at our church I, I support uh, Mary and what she does um, and the other thing particularly during lockdown I've been um, I've been doing up a house that is I'm actually I'm speaking from Devon at the moment um, North Devon and we've got a house which is we bought but it was in a real state um, and it's now in a bit less of a state um, because in lockdown you just stay at home and do, you know, you, you stay in and, and, and do work. So, um, so that's the mixture of things that I do is a lot of it's practical. And then a lot of it's um, kind of theological ministry related stuff. How are you enjoying the work on the house? I mean, I can't think of anything worse than having to do up a house, but um, <laughs> except maybe doing up a garden, but um, how, how are you finding it? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I, I, we, we got somewhere that was a bit of a project because I, I, I love physical things. I'm not, I'm not a big, although we're, this is a technologically enabled evening, I'm not, I don't mind technology as a tool, but I, what I really like is physical stuff. So I, so I love carpentry and plastering and rendering and um, fixing things um, being on scaffolding yeah love it love it wow see folks ministers like this do exist I, I i know some of you don't believe believe me but ministers with these skills are out there um how um did you find doing your phd tell us a little bit about what's that like because i mean that's quite a lot of work isn't it 
It, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Um, it, it's it's something a lot of people see doing a PhD as it's a way into a kind of academic world, and they see it almost as a as as a necessary evil, and and they they force themselves through it, um, and by the end of it, they're sick of their subject, which seems to me like a horrible thing. Um, I, I was really fortunate because the, the, the subject just fired me up, absolutely fired me up, and it still does, right throughout the whole thing. So I, I, abs- I loved it. Um, so although I like doing physical things, I also really like, um, I like thinking. I like getting deep into what God is, a, is about, what he's doing, what, he, what he's like. Um, and... So it was great. I also happened to have a really, really good supervisor. Your supervisor is the person, the kind of professor or whoever who oversees you and, and stops you going off in silly directions and wasting your time. I had a really great uh, guy. He's an Anglican minister. Uh, yeah, he's an Anglican priest, uh, but he's also a professor in, at uh, Manchester University. And his name's Peter Scott. Absolutely superb. Um, so, so I, I had a great time. I had a great time. I had to travel up and down to Manchester a lot. Um, but I was able to do most of the work in London at Spurgeon's. And so you, you said you've got a, it's worked up into a book as well now. Um, some yes. Of the work you did. Um, when's that due to come out? Uh, that actually, that comes out on the 15th, which is next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I've got. Hang on a second. <laughs> I was very, I was very excited a couple of weeks ago when they they sent me a, an advanced copy. So that's ah. that's the book. So it's called Accessible Atonement, and it's about it, it, it's about the, the the kind of the elephant in the room, the thorny thing we never really resolve, which is. So what's, what it, what's the relationship between disability and sin? And what does the cross have to say about that? You know, can, we find, can we actually find a way through that, that maze? And what I can do, if anybody is interested, uh, it's not a difficult read. It's really not a difficult read. Uh, if I, I can send you, David, a, a discount voucher. So oh. I've, I've got a kind of friends and family discount voucher. It's... Um, 20% off, I think, and free shipping, um, which makes it 20-something pounds. Um, it's a hardback book. It's, it's not as cheap as it would be if it was paperback. But, um, but anyway, you, you could always get a copy and share it around if, if people are interested. Um, I think it's a really interesting book, of course. <laughs> Well, I don't normally need much encouragement to buy a book. So uh, a bit of a discount is great. Yeah, well, very happily uh, be embraced in your friends and family for for that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so uh, one final question then. Um, does Lent make a lot of difference to you? Is it a season you mark? And if so, in what way? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, being a, being a Baptist, you know, for a long time, these the church calendar like that didn't really feature that much, but increasingly it does. And, um, and Lent does. So personally, um, I've taken to giving up alcohol during Lent. 
Um, I'm I'm not a big drinker, but it's it's quite a nice way of just sort of having a bit of discipline and a bit of resetting of 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 some bit of your life. So so, so that's what that's what I do. I don't drink during Lent, um, and and my wife we do it we do that together. Um, and then church wise, we we do also usually do something. This year we're doing the there's a thing called the prayer course. Mm-hmm. which is done by Pete Gregg, the 24-7 chap. And there's a sec- we did that last year, and this year we're doing, there's a second one called um, God on Mute. So it's about how do you deal with una- prayers that seem not to be answered. Um, and so we're doing that on Zoom um, on Monday nights. Um, re- really interesting, quite a challenging, uh, quite a challenging course. Um, you watch a video and then, discuss some questions great and i know um we've got friends from eastwood baptist church here tonight another church in the borough that are doing that as well at the moment so that's uh, yeah interesting. No, it's, it's worthwhile mm. well thank you and thank you for joining us this evening i'm going to hand over to you to to share what you want to share i've made you a co-host so if you did want to share anything as well you should be able to do that but yep. over to you okay i i'm going to share my screen then because I've got I've got some slides. The slides are the just kind of placeholders that that sort of show where we are as I go through some thoughts. So so let me just um, see if I can do that. So are you seeing a slide that says Shubri Ness and Thorpe Bay Baptist Church Lent twenty twenty one? We are indeed. God in the church. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So if, if anyone's got that on the screen, what you can do, of course, is you can, there's a, there's a, there's a line between the slides and the, and the, the row of people, which you can move across your screen if you want to make the slides smaller um, on share screen. But um, anyway, so what I thought we, we might, I might talk about and then we can discuss is I know from um, being in touch with with David that um, a lot of uh, that should I say STBBC is that yeah. is that you call it whatever you like it's a very long name we don't mind okay so I know that Shubri Ness um, ha- has a an inclusion statement um, as, as lots of churches do um, but the interesting thing about these inclusion statements, and we've got one in our church, is that if we want them to really take root in our church, and if we want them to, to, to have an impact and, and get some momentum, then one of the things we really we need to think about is how, how does it match up with what we believe about God? You know, how do we, how can we be more, it would make us much more confident about uh, our, the bits of our inclusion statement, if we could see, ah, yes, we can see how that matches up with what we believe about God. So I was going to take the example of disability, which I've been working on. Um, and, you know, our desire for inclusion of people with disabilities is, is a very sound Christian instinct, isn't it? We can find it in love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. Um, but but beyond that, we might say, well, where do we look for some some kind of foundations for that? 
in relation to disability? What, what would give us more confidence? What would boost us on in, um, in making that live? Now, I, I ought to just make it clear, I'm not speaking as somebody with a disability. Um, so I'm not speaking for people with disabilities. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not entitled to do that. There are lots of voices that I've listened to that, that lie behind the work that I've, that I've done. And I guess what I'm trying to do is to, as a, as a minister and someone that studies this, is, is I'm trying to pay attention and then respond from a, a church and ministry perspective to, to what I'm coming across. So I thought I'd just share three ideas and three things that, that can act as starting points um, for, for giving us a bit more confidence when we talk about disability and inclusion. Um, two of them are very much about Jesus. And one of them is, it's still a bit about Jesus, but it's, it's maybe slightly more about the church. It's not the complete answer. Uh, the Bible gives us lots of stuff that has to be unpacked um, about disability and, and needs to be teased out. But, but these are a way of getting started. So, um, so I am going to uh, move on. Did the slide move on? Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, so the first idea, the first of the three ideas is the image of God. Now, we know if we read our Bibles that we're made in the image of God. Um, and we certainly would want to say that we're all made in the image of God. Um, the question, though, is when we scratch the surface of, of that statement, um, well, what is the image of God? You know, what do we mean by it? And now, that's something that's occupied people's thinking for a very long time. Um, so, for example, if, if the image of God is some kind of idealized, perfect being, then that's not going to get us very far because none of us will ever match up to that. Um, and so being made in the image of God must be something uh, with more to it than that. So rather than get bogged down a very straightforward approach to it is say well let's stick with Jesus after all um, if we went to Colossians 1 15 uh, it said tells us the son is the image of the invisible God he's the firstborn over all creation so so Jesus surely must show us very much what the image of God is and if he's the word the word of God made flesh then Surely Jesus reveals to us what God is like and what the image of God is. Now, Jesus, of course, was, wasn't everybody. He was a particular person. He, he, was, um, he was a first century Middle Eastern Jewish tradesman. But he reveals God to us, doesn't he? So, so by, by getting stuck in and living our human life, Jesus showed, well, God is in solidarity with us as human beings. So that's a good start. Um, and, and then most vividly, surely, the, the most vivid revelation of, of that image in Jesus, it must be on the cross, because that's it's on the cross that we see most deeply into God, that he would die in our place that we might be saved. I've put a painting up here. It's, it's in, in kind of Christian circles, it's quite a, 
or a Christian art circles. It's a it's quite a famous one. It's from a place called Eisenheim. Uh, it's, it's early 16th century. It, it was for a for a church which was linked to a, a monastery, which was a, a hospital that, that treated very sick people with with very disabling diseases. Um, so it's kind of relevant to to what we're saying, but. Um, now, Jesus, of course, didn't have any disabilities as far as we're aware. Um, but the point is, through his passion, which, of course, we're coming up to soon as we get towards Easter, through Jesus' passion, he was he was bound, he was roughed up, he was flogged, he was blindfolded. Eventually, his body was was tortured and broken on the cross. And so he was he was progressively impaired or disabled right up to the point of death. And so, so when the point there is when we see the image of God in Jesus most deeply revealed on the cross, it, it showed us not, not just that God has solidarity with humanity, but his solidarity is with humanity that includes impairment. And so that helps us to say, okay, well, we can say with some confidence then that the image of God, if we're made in the image of God, it's not some idealized perfect thing. It's one that has to embrace impairment and disability because that's what we see. And so so when we say human beings are made in in God's image, um, that idea ought to incorporate the, the whole notion of impairment Uh, right from the start. So that's an idea that that helps us to match up our image of God and our inclusion statement. So that's the first of the three ideas. The second of the three is, I move on to the next one. So so we're still with Jesus, still thinking about Jesus, and still kind of related to the cross, because that's where the whole story comes to its focal point. But this time it, it make, we're making a different point, also a useful one, though, I think. Um, so after, after Jesus was raised on the third day, he appeared to his disciples. And frankly, they were a bit freaked out, um, as one probably would be. And so what Jesus does is he, is he says, he, well, look at this. He shows them the wounds of the crucifixion. He, he shows them his pierced hands and his feet and his side. Um, he shows them especially to, to Thomas. John's gospel is very clear on that, says lots, but it's also in Luke. Um, that's a painting um, by Caravaggio, um, who was a bit of a, it was a bit of a wide boy, got into lots of trouble, but it was very good at art. Um, and what I really like about this painting is how it's very, kind of real and the the men the disciples they're they're just ordinary guys that obviously have been working outside you know they're weather beaten um anyway so this is this is from uh just around 1600 i think this uh painting was was uh painted lovely picture um anyway uh, <coughs> it's it's pretty clear in the Gospels, that the, the main focus here was showing who this is. This is clearly Jesus who was crucified and is now risen. But alongside that, 
what people have thought about is that actually um, these impairments now seem to be part of Jesus' risen body. So his body is, it's the same, but it's different. There's continuity. It's still physical. He can eat some broiled fish, but there's discontinuity. He's not constrained by closed doors, for instance. And, and part of the continuity is these wounds. And they, they, they just open up the possibility that some things that we see as impairments and disabilities might exist in heaven, might be there in the new creation. It's, it's a hint. It's not the whole picture, but, but it's important. And the reason it's important is it, it pushes back against our assumption that, that we know what this ideal resurrection body and mind is going to be. And, and that we know that God must make us all like that come the resurrection. It pushes back against that. Um, <clears throat> and many, many, many people with disabilities, um, or many people who we would regard as having disabilities, um, they, they object to that idea that, well, everybody gets squashed into this statistically typical pattern come the resurrection. Um, it, that's an idea which is often given the name homogenization, well, homogenized. Um, and, and say, well, am I, not, am I not fully a person as I, as I am? And so, so this is a really good thing that pushes back against that. And it also warns those of us who currently don't have disabilities against presuming that we know that what people with disabilities ought to be looking for to God to, to, to transform in, in their lives. Um, so it's a very good, it's a very good warning, but again, also it, it helps us with that inclusion um, statement thing, doesn't it? Because it says, well, if some of the things that we see as impairments and disabilities may, there may be continuity there into the age to come then we ought to be thinking hard about um, inclusion in, in this age, in a, in a church that is a picture of the age to come. So that's the second, that, that's the second idea. And the third idea is, it's a, it's a bit more kind of directly about the church, but it's still, it's still um, very much talking about Jesus, but, but um, a bit more about the church. Um, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, um, there are lots of, um, lots of images and pictures of what the church might, might be. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit, people of God, the, the vine and all those sorts of things. <clears throat> I think one of the richest pictures for us as the church is the body of Christ. And one of the passages that's really good for, for teasing that out is when Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about it, I mean, I'll just read you a, just a short bit. Just um, I'll read from chapter 12 and I'll read verses just 20 to 26. Um, what Paul is doing, he continues the theme from the start of the letter about God's strength being found in weakness. And he's, he's, got, he's doing this big, long rant. Uh, where he's um, 
he, he's rebuking the elite people in the church for excluding those, uh, for, for, not, for not including others. And so he talks about the church as a body. And he says, as it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head, head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the, the, of the body that we think less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members don't need this. But God has so arranged the body to give the greater honour to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together with it. Now, Paul is actually, he's not talking about disabilities. He's talking about the elite not making way for the, for the, the regular people who have to go to work and turn up to communion later on and find that the rich people have eaten everything. Um, and so that's the kind of thing that was going on there. Um, this is a Lowry painting from 1943. Uh, it's just called Going to Work. Um, so, so Paul's saying you've got to share properly if you're going to be the church. So it's, it's consistent. It's not directly about disability, but it's consistent to say, well, any group that's vulnerable to being excluded, that's not naturally part of the, the kind of the in crowd, um, really fits into what Paul's saying about the body of Christ. And the challenge here from Paul, I think, for us with our inclusion statements is this is the church. If the church doesn't have the, the most vulnerable people at its core, any, any of these groups, including people with disabilities, if, if they're not fundamental to its, to its being, then is it, is it really the church at all? Paul says, you know, if you're not sharing with these people when you have communion, I don't know what you're sharing, but it's not communion. Um, and so uh, the, the point of the point is, is it's about a change of heart and mind. So rather than feeling or thinking, well, we are the church and we are helping these people to join in. Paul's after something that sounds a bit more like but these people with disabilities or other excluded groups, they are essential to the church. How do we join in with them? Because that is what the church really is. And so the confidence that we get from that is, is not, not just that we ought to make room for people with disabilities um, in the church. Um, it's that a full, open welcome and sharing with them is essential to being the church in the first place. So that, that's, that's the three ideas. Um, so the, the, there's the Jesus impaired body on the cross as the image of God. Um, there's the wounds in Jesus risen body as a hint that maybe our assumptions about disability are not quite right when it comes to the resurrection. And then this idea of that actually, if our hearts, our hearts need to be to have the, the most vulnerable at the centre of our church, to be the church. So that's that's three ideas, and I think we we're open for a bit of a discussion time now. So I'll stop sharing um, my screen. There we are, and I think we should all be back.
Ah, thank you so much. Um, folks, as we've done in other weeks, if you've got questions, do stick them in the chat and then we'll take them. Or if that is um, difficult to do, you can uh, text me or um, get the message to me some other way and I will um, think about that and, and include it. There, there is the raise hand function, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Or if you Somewhere. want the raise hand function on Zoom, we can do that as well. Whatever works for you, we'll find a way of um, receiving your question. How, uh, I'll ask a question while people are typing or, or thinking. Yeah, it's a lot, often it's a lot to take in and there's a bit of processing time before the questions start to emerge. So, so don't be embarrassed if they take a while. Um, you said at the start about some work that you're doing with young people with, with disabilities. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you might be able to tell us a little bit um, about that and how, um, did you find that when you were thinking through the ideas that you shared with us, that that was kind of almost giving language to an instinct you already had? Or did you find that, oh, hang on a minute, I'm having to totally rethink the way I approached it? The answer is I had to completely rethink my whole understanding of the gospel, frankly. And, and actually, I think that's what, that's, what disability, that's what the book is really trying to do, is to say, if we look at, if we take disability seriously as part of what it is to be human, we actually have to go back and, and re-look at some really basic stuff. Um, and it's so, it is such a good thing to do. Um, anyway, so, so I was in, involved... As, so it was, it was local to where I was a pastor. And so, just, so when I started there, I, I was asked to go and, and join. It, it, the organization changed over, over time, but it, I was there as a governor with responsibility for various things like safeguarding and other things. Um, and what they do there is they provide uh, residential care education and medical care for, for young people with severe epilepsy and other neurological conditions. And one of the things that happened was, was a, a, a few of the young people there were, were keen to come to church services. Some of them, their families were uh, Christian families. Some of them just wanted to come. And so they would come, they were all had at least one-to-one -one care, uh, but they would come uh, to, to the village, to Dorman's Land, and, and come along to our services, which was was such a massive honour for our fellowship. And we were so completely ill-equipped. Um, and and they were so gracious. You know, they, they would they would come and they would they would sit and they would they would join in um, and but off, often Often there's very very little interaction, or the the interaction is after the services because it's it's very slow, very paced. And really, what I found was I was standing there, you know, doing my thing, doing the service, and we were singing our songs and and all that, and thinking, so what is what is the gospel saying to and with and about these? amazing young people who have come along um wh what are we saying the places for them um and, and their relationship to god and to jesus and to the cross and to salvation and to to all these things 
Um, and so that, so that got me thinking. And then when it came to the Paralympics at 2012, that somehow there was a bit of theological work that was done around that. And that, that kind of tipped me over the edge. <laughs> and I thought, I've got to start, we've got to get to grips with this. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I've got a question that's coming on my yeah. over here. Um, have you come across any uh, good examples um, of uh, good things that churches have done? Um, is there anything you've heard about or seen where you've thought they've, they've you know, uh, something that's encouraged you? Um, <clears throat> I think one of the best things, lot, lots of churches are now much more physically accessible. Um, and long before we turned up, the church we're now at got a local award for when it had a, a bit of a refurb. They took out all the steps and it's, it's completely accessible. And that is, a, that is a really important thing. It's not the, it's, it's, it's kind of the beginning, but if, if you can't get in, it's difficult to be, if you can't get in, it's difficult to join in. Um, the, and so that's good. The other thing is, um, is signing. It's remarkable how many churches now have the ability to do signing. And one of the real blessings we, that we've dis, we discovered during the lockdown was we began to do our, we couldn't sing, so we began to do our worship songs in Makaton. And um, we, 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 we've got some people who <clears throat> are, are not too bad at Makaton, and the rest of us are kind of paddling very hard to catch up. But, but it, it, it's, it's, um, it's inclusive, but it's also amazing. It opens up a whole different dimension of the experience of worship songs. Um, so, so I think that's, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's great. Um, and there are other churches, um, who, who, who do very good work with young people and, uh, and are very honest about the, um, and I'm thinking of, for instance, Horley Baptist Church, um, very honest about the fact, the tension between, do we try to do everything together? Or do we have separate kind of special events? And in the end, the answer is probably a mixture. Um, really resonate with what uh, you're saying about about the Makaton and the, the sign language. Um, I, one of the joys for me personally is even when I go to a conference or something like that, and, and often like a Baptist Assembly, for example, there's always somebody yeah. signing. Yeah. And I often find yeah. myself totally lost in, in that, in a worshipful way. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and it just, it, yeah, it adds a whole new dimension to the the experience of worship, and yes. uh, I always really appreciate that. Yes, yes, and and the the lovely thing about Makaton as well is it's um, you know British Sign Language is obviously the you know that's the that's that's the full on thing that's that's a a full completely complete language. Makaton is much more representative, but for worship songs, it, it's very expressive. You know, sort of night is like this, and and things like that. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, and Savior is 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 the one who saves like this. It, it's it is very very evocative, mm. um, and, and I just think it's a privilege to be allowed to to join in. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, oh, I've got a question in the chat here. 
Um, how do you make space to listen to people with disabilities, their needs, their thoughts, when some might not be able to articulate or express that? Thank you, Lana, for that question. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really a really, really, really good question. You know, I've, I've, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have full proper sign language, um, and so communicating with someone who's non-verbal, um, I, I can all that I could do if I was thinking of myself is all I could do would be to um, to be to meet with them and the, someone that lives with them a lot and spends a lot of time with them and and speak to them together. Um, I don't think you should ever, you never really want to be just speaking about someone with somebody else. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. But, but often, and this is a really important thing. Again, I think something that pushes back against our presumptions about what's going on in, in people's lives is Often it's only someone who lives really closely with someone who's, for instance, has profound intellectual impairment, who can discern the movements of grace in their lives or, or, or who can discern what alienates them, you know, what cuts them off from God and from other people and, and so on. Um, it, it can be a very subtle thing and you know, the likes of people like, like me have to admit that I have very little access to that. I have to rely on people who, who live much more closely, uh, much more intimately with, um, with, with people in that situation. And so I, it's a great question because it's an enormous, it's an enormous, I, I don't want to say barrier, but challenge um, to, to try to get, to get it, uh, to get into, there was one of the one of the young lads from um, from the organisation that, that I was talking about, Young Epilepsy, who used to come along to have a conversation with him. Actually, it was a blessing because it slowed you right down. It took a very, very, very long time because it took him a very long time to to get words out. And when the if when a, the words came, there would only be one or two or three, and. So every word that that he managed to say had such weight to it, and 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 such importance. Um, and again, it's it's about you have to slow down, you have to slow down and pay attention, and realise that you might not understand. Mm. I wonder if that um, slowing down and paying attention is one of the sort of the principles or the bedrocks that goes across the whole uh, what it means to be a community together with all the different ways in which people are often excluded because it, it, it's accepting that you don't understand so much uh, that's yeah. part of the um I think yes I, I think you're right and I think if any if we want to ask about any group of people the first question we should be asking is well do I, how well do I know anyone in, in that group? Do I have a friend in that group? Have I, have I done that? Have I taken the time to get to know someone? Um, 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I've got a, a, one more message come through here. Starting, um, in your research, um, did you come across any horror stories? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, there are. <laughs> there are. And, and often it's not, often it's sort of not intended, but, you know, one, one chap was telling me uh, who uses a wheelchair, uh, he turned up at church and <laughs> someone said, things someone said as, oh, we've got a place for people like you. Um, and, and you think, well, what kind of start is that? Um, so that, that is that sort of thing. And, but the other thing which, um, I, th- I think is probably the most uncomfortable is, is around um, some charismatic approaches to healing services um, where, where people are prayed for. And, and there's great, you know, healing services are great things. I would never want them not to exist. But if the message coming across is, well, you haven't been healed, so there's something wrong. There's a lack of faith somewhere or there's unconfessed sin or... Um, there are some grim stories um, and some people I speak to I'm amazed that they're still Christians um, Mm. after some of those some of those experiences Um, yeah yeah thank you Um, we've got time for another couple of questions if anyone's got one Thank you for all those who've submitted them so far. I don't. I wonder if any if anybody in in the group has has experience of someone with a disability in church and and who's found it has worked well or has not worked well. Okay. Do do unmute and share if you feel able to do that. Uh, yes, David, I have. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you, yes. I, 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 I'm <laughs> um, sure. I, I used to um, be a manager of Home for Learning Disabilities. Right. Um, and we used to take them to church. And one of the churches where I used to attend was Holy Baptist Church. Ah, okay. And to see them worship with Makaton used to bring me to tears because yeah. it was so um how can I say full and they just worship without any um you know inhibitions at all and yeah. and their faith was to me built it wasn't simple but it looked simple if you see what I mean and and that that they were true Christians to me because they they did it from the heart, um, and I will never ever forget them praying the Lord's Prayer in their own way and singing yeah. the worship songs. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Maureen. I I, I completely agree. Um, you know, when I was at Dormsland, actually, I would say that this sounds a bit odd, but I think our best worshipper. Um, it was a young lad with Down syndrome yeah. who, was, who was so open mm. to the movement of the spirit and so, so gracious and kind mm. and, and joyful. Um, it, 
he, anytime he wasn't there, he was really missed. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for that, Maureen. That, that's, that's really good. God bless you. Um, can I, yeah. um, I, I'm the mum of Jack, who is a 26-year-old uh, lad with cerebral palsy. So right. a wheelchair user, uh, hearing impaired, learning difficulties. Yeah. I can't remember how long he's been coming to church for. Um, he, I, I used to go out every Sunday in his own way. He said to me, where are you going? I'm going to church. Can I come? And I thought you're not going to last that you're not going to last you're not going to understand you're not going to get it and although he doesn't speak very well what he does say really loudly and well is home now (laughs) I did did say to Dave if he says that please don't take offense and I will just get him out as quickly (laughs) as I can he's never said that he's really keen to come at the moment we're doing uh, church online he's saying to me come on time mum and all of that I don't know what he gets out of it because he cannot discuss that with me, but he is getting something mm. between him and God. And mm. uh, and when we actually go to our church, he feels really welcome and, and that's fabulous. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Caroline. Thank you. Uh, I've got a question at uh, coming in here i'm asking if you might say a bit more about the brokenness um that's seen in jesus on the cross um particularly in the light of uh, where it says in john 19 that the scriptures were fulfilled when not a bone of him shall be broken how, how does all that sit together yes yeah it, it does because they go to the they go to the um the criminals and they're not dead so they very kindly break their legs um, um, so they die more quickly and Jesus they find is already dead and and the, 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 the interpretation given for, for not then breaking his legs is that not a bone in his body is broken and that's, that's a reference back to one of the various sacrifices in the Old Testament where um, the, the sacrificial animal is jointed rather than the bones being broken um, it's quite a, that's quite a subtle, quite a subtle point that's being made there. Um, of course, although his, you know, the the legs of his the, the bones of his lower legs weren't broken, um, the purpose of crucifixion was to torture somebody to death, and in in that much broader sense. Um, I think we can say that his body was sufficiently broken to kill it. Um, and so, and, and G, you know, Jesus himself says, this is my body broken for you. You know, we, we celebrate that at, at communion, the, the idea of Jesus, the broken body and the spilt blood. And so, so you've got two things going on there. You've got the fulfillment of scripture around the bones, particularly, which is, which is, is absolutely scripturally spot on um but you've got this much much broader um disabling impairing um ruining to the point of death of jesus body um there's there's lots of other things we could kind of start to to explore there because it's not just a it's not a one dimensional thing um so for instance when you know when jesus 
rises, he, he has these marks of the crucifixion and his hands, feet and side. But where are all the marks of the scourging and the, the dislocating of his joints through the, 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 the process of being, um, of being uh, crucified? So the, this, this one of the, that's one question. Another one, of course, is um, you know, that that picture of, of Jesus on the cross. It, it 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 goes a certain distance on that impairment thing. But but it, again, we we need to just be careful because it that's very much a physical disabling of Jesus. Um, would we, we might all, we might ask, well, where is Jesus who has solidarity with people with intellectual impairment? Um, and so we would have to say, well, that breaking on the cross, that, that is symbolic of all much, a much wider um, part of the human condition. Um, this kind of, this, this um, kind of brokenness. So the, you know, the, there are, there is a great question because it, it makes us think, okay, this is not just a throwaway line. Uh, uh, this is this is opening up something that that needs needs to be explored and needs to be thought through because there are different layers and dimensions to it. So yeah, very good question um, because it makes us think harder about it. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you so much. My. Uh, uh, well, we have got we've got time for another one if anyone has a, another question. Um, but uh, one, my final question for you is: uh, What could we be praying for you um, at the moment in the weeks ahead? Um, well, uh, there is something quite specific on this on this subject. <clears throat> We're just there's a group uh, which is part of the Baptist Union called the Disability Justice Group. It's either group or hub. It keeps changing. Let's call it a disability justice group. And we've we've formed within that we've have formed a, a kind of a, a a theology group to not just for the purpose of kind of navel gazing, but but what we want to do is to write short kind of like blog type articles to go on the BU website which will be actually genuinely useful for for churches and for Christian people and for ministers who want to get to grips with exactly the kind of thing that we've been discussing this evening. Um, so, so things which are not, you know, like a great big dense academic tome, but which capture some of these ideas in a useful way. And we're just, we're just at the beginning of that. And so the thing to pray for is that we don't, we don't falter, that we don't, it doesn't all run into the sand. Because um, it's been tried before and, and, and not with resounding success, um, not for bad reasons, but, but things often have, have got in the way. But um, I think this time we might be, we might be going to, to do better. So, so, so that is it's a very, it's very personal to me because I've got to produce some of this stuff, as have others. But it's also something which which links us all um, as as churches as well, hopefully. Um, and I and it's something I feel I feel very personally um, that there's a need to get it get it underway. So so that that would be the thing. Great. Well, uh, let's pray about that then, shall we? Let's pray together. Yeah.
Yeah. Gracious God, we thank you for this time together this evening and thank you for the chance to to think and to talk and to share with one another both uh, experiences but also our understanding of who you are and how that impacts who we are and what we do as your people. Lord, we thank you for David. Thank you uh, for his willingness to come and share with us this evening for all the work and experiences and study that you've led him through. And Lord, we would pray particularly for the Disability Justice Group. We thank you for all the people who are part of that group. And Lord, we uh, pray over this venture, the, the theology, the writing, the articles, we pray that they would um, find fertile ground in the life of our churches. We pray that it might be part of um, a real movement of all the churches across our union and beyond being uh, at a place where people with uh, disabilities can uh, belong and thrive in all the ways that we would dream about. Lord, I pray for David as he writes those articles. I pray the words would come easy, that you'd give him all the language uh, that he needs. Uh, Lord, and we, we, we pray that you would uh, help us as a church. We, we receive those resources in the weeks and months ahead. And we ask that you'd help us to own our part um, that we have to play in this story too. So Lord, would you bless David in all this work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very Amen. much. Well, David, thank you so much for giving up your evening to to join us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's great to have you here. Um, Everybody else on the meeting next week, we've got Lent Talk number four. We've got Penny Marsh coming to share with us uh, next week. So Penny works for the Southeast Baptist Association um, planting, uh, basically planting a new uh, church community just over the water on the north. Uh, side of Kent so we're going to hear a little bit from Penny but do come and join us then but David thank you so much we really appreciate it. That's a pleasure Uh, it's been it's been great to be with you thank you for for your attention and um, and thanks for those great questions as well you know the the best thing is always to ask really hard questions because that's what gets (laughs) that's what gets the juices flowing that's what gets us thinking. Brilliant thank you great well have a good evening everybody.